Hi, everybody. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. We're in this series at CLCC uh, these uh, last few weeks on listening like Jesus. And so we've been looking at stories that, uh, about the life of Jesus and trying to learn some skills that Jesus had when he listened to people. I think listening like Jesus means more than simply hearing the words that are spoken to us. And in fact, your dog, Siri, and Alexa will listen to your words, uh, but they'll not make great conversationalists. And in fact, if, if, if you're satisfied with a conversation with Alexa or Siri or your dog, then you've set the bar really low. Uh, in, in fact, uh, in order to have a satisfying conversation with someone, there has to be a response that involves thoughtful, uh, feelings and appropriate responses to do with emotions. And so that's what we're looking at in this series. We're looking at just not listening to words, but really listening to the thoughts, to the feelings that might be behind the words so that we can listen like Jesus. Are you really listening when you're in a conversation with somebody? We're going to look at uh, the Gospel of John chapter 4, verses 1 to 38, a fairly familiar passage of scripture. I'm not going to read it all. It's about Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, in this story, what's going on is that political pressure has moved Jesus north from the area around Jerusalem up towards his hometown in Galilee. Um, it seems as if Jesus is becoming very popular. In fact, he's becoming more popular than Scary John. <laughs> John the Baptizer is called Scary John in the movie The Chosen, and I think it's a great way to refer to him uh, because his clothing and the way he spoke and his political position uh, just really reflects the fact that, that he was quite the character. And uh, he was very popular, and people were coming in droves to be baptized by him. But, but even at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's become more popular than John, and people are flocking to him to listen to him and to be baptized. Of course, this ramps up the expectation that the Messiah has come and uh, puts political pressure on Jesus. And so he's going to move out of Jerusalem. He's going to move up towards Galilee, where most of his ministry takes place. But in order to go north through, up into Galilee, they had to pass by a place called Samaria. And Samaria was a place that was perceived to be a dangerous place for Jews to go because people who lived there, the Samaritans, were uh, kind of perceived as being heretical Jews. They had intermarried with uh, other uh, people groups. They had very strange beliefs in some areas. And so Jesus is moving, and, and it says that he went through Samaria. This isn't a popular decision with the disciples because this is a bit dangerous. They may be attacked uh, because the, the Jews and the Samaritans were somewhat hostile towards one another. And while in Samaria, the disciples leave to go buy some food, and he strikes up a conversation with a woman, a Samaritan woman, at a well. Actually, it's Jacob's well, which is a fairly famous well in, in that area, and famous historically in terms of Jewish history. Now, this is scandalous for him to stop and talk to this lady on, on a number of levels. First of all, uh, for uh, a Jew to speak to a Samaritan was unusual, and for a single man to speak to a woman was also unusual and a bit scandalous because it was uh, uh, not 
perceived to be appropriate behavior for a single man or for a woman to be speaking to a single man. And also, if he's having any discussion with her at all regarding spiritual things or theological things, she really needed in that culture to have her husband present because you didn't discuss theology or spiritual things with someone's wife without their husband being present. And so what Jesus was doing was a bit scandalous. It was uh, a bit indelicate. It was a bit strange. And the disciples are quite surprised when they find him doing this. But anyway, he's carrying on this conversation, which ends up being a very remarkable conversation in the stories of the Gospels. Now, not only is it socially taboo that he's doing this, it's also at noon. The Bible is careful to tell us that. And this is also curious. You see, Jacob's well is 100 feet deep, and noon hour would be the hottest part of the day. And usually the women didn't come at noon. They would come early in the morning because it took quite a bit of work to get the well out of the, the water out of the bottom of the well up to the surface and uh, fill their water jars or whatever they were going to fill in order to uh, uh, water their uh, livestock or perhaps for domestic use. So she's surprised by his indelicacy. And she responds, you know, why would you ask me for water uh, when you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan? And Jesus responds and says, if you knew who I am, you would ask me for water and I would give you living water. That's in chapter 4, verse 10. By the way, uh, you can look at the YouVersion app and find the text, John chapter 4, verse 1 to 38. You can also go on to events in YouVersion and uh, find all of my sermon notes. In fact, sermon notes from all of our sermons going back some time. So that's just a, a, a little uh, added comment that, that you could perhaps help uh, to follow along with sermons a little more carefully if you use the YouVersion app. So Jesus was hearing more than words. Her appearance at the well at noon said something about her. Was she avoiding other women? Perhaps because of her background, she was. Or maybe there was a crisis at her home in the morning where she couldn't make it with the other ladies, and so she had to come at a more, well, perhaps inappropriate time. You see, good listeners are contextually aware they're aware of the timing of the conversation. They're aware of uh, facial expressions, of body posture, of the tone of the voice. Uh, you know, they're listening to more than just words. And, and I find that uh, I'm, I'm not that great at this. And, and I, I'm trying to get better at listening to contextual clues. And, and what's been helping me is uh, after a conversation, maybe the next day or, or an hour later, I think back of the conversation and I, and I say to ask myself the question, did I miss anything in that conversation? You know, sometimes people say something out of the blue and uh, we wonder, why have they said that? Well, there's often contextual clues. You see, it may be out of the blue to the listener, but it's certainly not out of the blue to the speaker because it's something that's been going on in their, their minds or their hearts and uh, they're speaking from that resource, from that, uh, and we need to pick up on those clues. So often, and in fact, this just happened this week, I, I thought back of a conversation that I had with somebody and I thought, you know what? I missed the contextual clues. You know, uh, I, I responded to the words, but I didn't respond to the feelings. I didn't respond to the context. I don't think that I really captured what that conversation was about. And I could have done better if I would have been more thoughtful and more aware of the contextual clues in the conversation. See, words only tell 
part of the story, and Jesus was aware of this. You see, she misses the whole Old Testament reference to living water, and that's because Samaritans only read the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, they were missing the wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the minor prophets like Amos and Jonah. Imagine that. Imagine trying to uh, follow the Lord and only having a certain portion of the scriptures. I would compare it to us talking to a Christian today who'd only read or was only familiar with the Pauline epistles and had never read the gospels, never read the stories of Jesus. Wouldn't that be strange? And wouldn't they be missing a huge part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Well, that was the Samaritans. And so she didn't pick up that reference to living water. Uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verse three says, with joy, you will draw from the wells of the water, from the wells of salvation. Or that Psalm 42 passage, verse one, which says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. So she thinks he's talking about running water as the water in a stream. And she mentions that Jacob, their forefather, uh, couldn't find any living water, couldn't find any running water, thus the well. That's why he dug the well. And how was Jesus going to find her any running water? Um, people preferred running water, uh, water from streams, over water from wells, because water from the well tend to be a little stagnant, and the water from stream would be cooler, perhaps more refreshing. Well, Jesus informs her that the water that he was referring to, the living water that he was referring to, which goes back to those Old Testament texts, is spiritual and it gives salvation and eternal life. Well, she says she wants that kind of water and Jesus asks her to go and, and bring her husband. Well, she confesses, confesses she doesn't have one and, and Jesus says, yes, uh, you've had five husbands and the man you're now living with is not your husband. <laughs> She's blown away. Uh, after her discussion with Jesus. And, and she then talks for a little while about where to worship, whether in Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem, because the Samaritans worshiped at a different place. Their temple was on Mount Gerizim. And then she leaves and she goes, tells everybody in the village that she can talk to that she's found the Messiah and she invites them to come to talk to him. You see, Jesus was hearing more than words in that conversation. He has, in fact, a prophetic insight and knows that she has had five husbands. Wow, that's pretty incredible. You see, the Holy Spirit still does that today. He can still give us insight during our conversations if we listen to him speak to us. And, and, and this has happened to me uh, numerous times in my life. Perhaps the most outstanding time that I could recall was that I was uh, new to a church, new pastoring, and there was a couple in the church, uh, and I knew that she was struggling with some financial issues, didn't know anything more than that. Um, and I was sitting in my office, and I was reading an article, and uh, it just kind of came to me with spiritual revelation that, uh, that she and her husband were separated. I didn't know that, and that he was having an affair. And that was a complete surprise to me that that could be the case. 
And so I immediately went over and, and, and knocked on her door and spoke to her and found out that that is exactly what was going on. And we were able to then uh, help the family through, the, through their time of crisis. But the Holy Spirit still speaks. He still gives us discernment more than just the words. He can still give us uh, understanding beyond what may be what rationally understandable or uh, simply from what the conversation may be saying. You see, good listeners are detectives. Uh, they, they want to dig a little deeper than simply hearing the words. They want to understand more about what's going on. They look for meaning, in other words, behind the words. And this includes spiritual discernment. So Jesus was hearing more than words. Her, her question about where to worship was probably a sign of repentance. That's in verse 20 of chapter 4. At first, when you read that, you think this, this is maybe like a, a red herring that she's throwing out or a way to distract Jesus from the, from the uncomfortable topic of, of, uh, of husbands and water and all the rest. And, and at first, it, it just seems like a distraction. But when you think about it, uh, for a Samaritan for a, or for a Jew, in order to repent, they had to go to the temple. In fact, the majority of worship that happened for the Jews and for the Samaritans was in the temple. They didn't think that they could just worship uh, at any time, anywhere, but they would have to take a sin offering to the temple in order to be forgiven. And so I think her question about where to worship is, is more than just a, just a, a way to distract. It's, it's an honest question. If she's thinking about repenting, she's wondering where she should repent. She can't go to Jerusalem because Samaritans aren't allowed into the temple of Jerusalem. She could go to Mount Gerizim, but that might be a bit, a bit embarrassing if she's had a sketchy past. Maybe she wouldn't want to be seen there or seen going there, or maybe they wouldn't even allow her in. And so I think this is an honest question as, as she begins to think through the ramifications of, of this possibility of, of having living water. And Jesus' response to her is, is incredible. He says, true worshipers, worshipers that the Father is looking for, even today, worship in spirit and truth. In, in fact, what he's saying is that you don't need to go to the temple to make a sin offering. You don't need to go there to worship. You can worship anytime. You can worship anywhere. You see, she's been rejected by five husbands. Remember in those days, it wasn't that women divorced their husbands. They didn't have the right to divorce. It was that the men divorced women. And so she's been rejected by five husbands. And the man she's living with is not her husband. Uh, this, to her, was the best news possible that she could be accepted by the Father and that she could worship, she could repent, she could have the streams of living water directly from the Father to her. This is good news. No wonder she goes and tells her friends to come and meet Jesus. You see, Jesus had heard her heart. She, he'd heard rejection. She, he had heard the fact that she was longing for a relationship with the Father that uh, would be accepting and transformational. So Jesus hears her heart. He hears more than simply words. In order to listen like Jesus, hear more than words. Be aware of contextual clues. Slow down. Be interested in people and their stories. There's always a story behind the story. 
in order to listen like Jesus, discern the feelings behind the words. Ditch the small talk. Now, now small talk is important perhaps when we first start a conversation with strangers, but easily small talk can put our brains on autopilot and we just kind of rotely respond and there's not much thought involved and there's not much response or feeling involved. And so we need to move beyond small talk if we're going to have meaningful conversations with our friends, with our neighbors, with our loved ones. Don't allow your brain to go into autopilot. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as you're speaking to people. Pray that he would give you insight into perhaps what's going on in the person's life or perhaps how best to talk to them or to answer their questions. And deal with issues of the heart. They're the most important issues. Let's pray. So Father, I pray that we would learn to listen like Jesus. We understand that listening is a skill. It doesn't come easily. It takes work. It takes some concentration. It takes some practice. Help us to listen more carefully to the contextual clues in our conversations, perhaps the timing of the conversation or body posture or eye movements or facial expressions. Help us to be more aware. Help us not just to go into rote uh, conversations where we're just doing small talk and and help us, Lord, to uh, be aware of the feelings that someone may be experiencing uh, that has prompted their conversations with us. Help us to be aware of your Holy Spirit and that you still speak to us today and you can still nudge us into discerning things about uh, people and issues and, and situations that we encounter. So Lord, help us, help us in our listening. Lord, we uh, spend a lot of time thinking about uh, speaking, but maybe we spend, need to spend more time thinking about our listening skills. In your name we pray for your honor and glory, amen. The question of the day for this week, and we ask you to think about this for a minute as some music will be playing in the background, is uh, think of the last conversation that you had. Were there any clues, perhaps contextual clues, that told you something more than simply the words? And then how might you better have responded in that conversation if you had picked up on those contextual clues? Think about that for a minute, and then I'll come back with a concluding comment. We speak at about 120 to 150 words per minute, with wind gusts up to 180 words per minute for some people who talk really fast. But we think far faster than that. So when someone's talking to us, our brains are moving and our bandwidth is wider than simply listening to the words. And, and it's, it's curious to know, what are our brains thinking about? What are we doing when they we're listening to these words come to us? And good listeners learn to use that bandwidth to focus on the other person and not simply focus on what we're going to say next or what we're feeling. It would be better to focus our bandwidth to double down on maybe the feelings that are behind the words being spoken to us. I think that when we learn to do that, we'll become better listeners. So let's do that. Our doxology for this series is from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
Amen.